Test, 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 mic test, mic test. Test, 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 mic test, mic test, mic test, 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 mic test, mic test, 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 test. Hello, welcome to the Film Pigs podcast. Uh, this is a uh, podcast, if you've never heard it before, uh, it's all about the movies with a bunch of guys who call themselves the Film Pigs. Uh, I am this episode's host, Todd Robert Anderson, and I'm here with fellow Film Pig, Steve Skelton. Greetings, programs. Other film pig Steve Falk is deep into production for You're the Worst, so this episode will not have Stephen Falk in it. That's right. uh, it's, too, uh, it's too bad. But, but I will try to imagine what his opinions will be and we're say... We're getting plosives all over the place again. And Because your pop guard isn't... Uh, it's against the mic. It fe- well, it fell. It, my pop well, card is pop card, it's not. It's not even... It's not useful. It's Sh- not a pop guard. All right, if shut it's up. It's not stopping the pops. All right, shut up. All right, back to the show. Sorry for that interruption, folks. Uh, Steve Skelton is cranky because last night he decided to do a double feature of Chappie and Monsters 2. What's it called? Monsters? Monsters Dark Continent. Uh, and Which is directed by Tom Green. Yeah, but to be fair, I only watched the first 20 minutes of Monsters Dark Continent. I watched all of Chappie. All of Chappie. Chappie was first. And Chappie's lousy. It's surprisingly worse than you think it's going to be. <laughs> Like Elys, like District Nine is a fun movie. Elysium um, looked great, but had like a really disappointing story. And Chappie is just a mess. Oh boy! Like it's just like the script feels like it's a rough draft because scenes don't fit together and character motivations like don't make any sense. And it's just a wreck. I'm I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Well, uh, you're forgiven for your crankiness because uh, obviously there's good reason. Um, but Thank let's you. Uh, start the show like we always do with a little segment we like to call Movie News. Our crack team of movie reporters have gone out into the, the wilds of Hollywood to dig up the latest dirt on what's happening here in Hollywood land. Uh, Steve Skelton, what do you have? Uh, I have a a really interesting uh, news item. Uh, Last week, or uh, probably two weeks ago at this point, or whenever this thing gets posted, um, but the American Civil Liberties Union has uh, made an announcement that it sent letters to federal and state agencies asking them to investigate the lack of female directors in film and television as a violation of civil rights. Really? Yeah. Uh, Citing frightening statistics, like a University of Southern California study that found only 1.9% of the top-grossing 100 films from 2013 and 2014 were directed by women. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, uh, some uh, support for that is uh, director Paul Feig. Feig? Feig? Feig. 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 He's already made a name for himself as a pioneer for women in Hollywood, but even he has said in general, and I'm quoting him now, in general, Hollywood's having a very hard time catching up with the modern world. I think it's a crime that there's not more women behind the camera directing. Yeah, I I mean, I agree. I agree. 
Stephen Falk, of course, would say, hey, he's got a, a, a woman director working on his You're the Worst show. Yes. She's directing the next block of uh, four episodes. Oh, nice. And uh, I did a scene with her that they had to capture because they only had the set for one day. So I got my first scene with her, and she's great. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was what Steve Falk would say. Um, my uh, news bit is, oh, my gosh. They're making World War Z too. What? Yeah, they are. Because as it turns out, even though they was sort of in an embattled production and everybody hated the third act that they reshot entirely, changed, yeah, or whatever. They yeah, to I it. really would be curious to see what, what the, the original, what the original ending yeah. was. Um, I didn't hate the third act I, like everybody else did. I kind of, I kind of enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I, I, I was, really I was it. surprised that I, I enjoyed it because it looked like it was going to be a train wreck and. But it was fun. I really liked it. I mean, it, it, it was a you know a big budget PG thirteen zombie movie, which uh, normally I would run from. Yeah. But I really liked the book, so I was curious enough to see it. Now, it has nothing to do with the book. Yeah. No. 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 Zero. But, but it's a fun kind of zombie action. Well, it's adventure just a big kind of like chase movie, basically. Yeah. 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 I, I I really liked it. Yeah. You know, and the third act, yeah, maybe uh, I think zombie movies just in general. Have third act problems? Almost every movie has a third act problem. Well, that's true, but I mean, I think the, the zombie genre in, in general ge- yeah. can, can, runs into those problems. Yeah, it doesn't because, generally doesn't quite know how to resolve itself. Right. Ever. Once yeah. the apo- zombie apocalypse yeah, has happened, like, well, once the third act, it's like the third act eh, is everyone dies. Yeah, we're fucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, World War Z a little bit less, but basically that's what it was. Um, so my news tidbits are as follows. I have uh, uh, another one uh, that I imagined um, Falk might be interested in, ah. um, which is uh, this guy named Benjamin Anderson, mm-hmm. who is uh, the CEO of the DeVere Group, Okay, is being sued by several female, uh, female employees uh, after modeling his firm after the Wolf of Wall Street. That, okay, and now I, at this point I have to jump in and and ask, you didn't make that up. I did not That's make that an up. Act, you're just reading a news report. I'm reading a news report that struck me as very funny. What kind of pile of garbage <laughs> thinks modeling a business after the Wolf of Wall Street is a good idea? Apparently a guy who only saw the first two hours and <laughs> thought they were awesome. And, and, had, to, and had to go. And yeah. didn't bother with the, the third part. Which I is, wish I could have stayed for the third act because uh, my business plan's incomplete. <laughs> right. <laughs> But apparently he didn't realize it was a cautionary tale. (laughs) He thought it was a celebration of misogyny and debauchery. (laughs) And isn't that fun? And shouldn't our law firm be the same way? Shouldn't I base a legal business on that? Yeah, exactly. It was ridiculous. And this is another one I'll just throw in there because I thought it was kind of interesting, is that Jeremy Piven uh, for the movie Entourage is apparently making twice what anyone else in the Entourage cast is making. That makes perfect sense. It does kind of make sense because isn't that what everybody likes about Entourage? Is, yeah. Is Ari whatever his yeah, face yeah, is? His, yeah, his terrible agent person. I mean, I don't really like Entourage. No, but but that's what, you know, that's the center basically of the show. Yeah, so. yeah. So good good work, yeah. Jeremy Piven. Who, he's, the, he's the Robert Downey Jr. to the Avengers uh, of, on, in, of Entourage. Of Entourage, yeah. But just exactly. on a much smaller scale. Exactly. Well done, Jeremy Piven, who David Mamet once called a thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on 
to... Burn, Hollywood, burn. I smell a riot going on. First they're guilty, now they're gone. Yeah, I'll check out a movie, but it'll take a black one to move me. Yeah, that's our uh, music that uh, it's fully licensed. Yeah, no, no, no. It's all, everything's quite above board. Yeah, we're 100% legal with that. Um, uh, well, are... well, because our, our, our Wolf of Wall Street legal firm has assured us that... <laughs> Yeah, Benjamin Anderson <laughs> has assured us. I don't, they may be a financial group. I can't remember. Who cares? <laughs> um, either in, either way, we've returned. We've retained them solely for uh, licensing purposes. <laughs> Thank we're, you. We're not very business savvy. Thank here you, Devere Group. Uh, so, uh, what we're going to talk about? Okay, at the time of this recording, the number one movie at the box office is. Pitch Perfect 2. Yes. Uh, which is a movie about acapella singing groups yes. uh, played by 30-year-olds who are still in college. Yes. Um, but what the internet keeps talking about, all the fanboys uh-huh. and on the social medias uh-huh. and the thing that everybody says is awesome uh-huh. is the number two yes. movie at the box office, which is called Mad Max Fury Road. If you are not aware, Mad Max Fury Road is the fourth film in the Mad Max franchise, mm-hmm. which ended in uh, 80s, 89 80s, or 90, 80s, I, uh, 89. Yeah, we can look 80s, it up, but who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, with a PG-13 yeah. movie called Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which yeah. we will uh, touch on later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but And they thought that movie was what killed the franchise. But you wait long enough, yeah. and your marketing people refer to it as a reboot. Or whatever. Even though it's not really a reboot. No, it's just another it's Mad just another Max one. movie. Yeah, It's a sequel. It just doesn't have Mel Gibson. It has Tom Hardy in yeah. the Mad Max role. And really, this movie is Charlie Theron's movie. Yeah. More than Mad Max. Well, I think it's both all. of them. I think it actually is an interesting... But we, we'll talk about the, their, how their characters parallel. Right, right. We can get into that. But um, first, I, I did think... Because my uh, brother-in-law on Facebook was asking me, all right, what's the difference? Because he really clearly really likes this movie. He's like, but what's the difference between a remake and a reboot? And why, how is this either? Um, and I guess in marketing, they've been calling it sort of a reboot of the franchise. Well, I, I think it's because it's got a new Mad Max actor is well, probably why they're going in that direction, even though the movie itself really could function as a reboot or a sequel. Because there's like there's there's allusions to the previous movies, but no direct super hard connections well, and kind of the flashback right. bits. But I would say that George but it, but Miller... It feels more, it's yeah. more like a real sequel is what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing to- is totally dependent... I mean, as far as Mad Max, the character, is concerned, yeah. it's kind of dependent on you understanding exactly who Mad Max is. Because they don't really talk about but I, the but first I think, Mad Max no, where he but, was but I think that. I think he touches enough <clears throat> that even if this is the first Mad Max movie you've ever seen, you get a good sense of... You know what his character is. You may not have like you don't have the full picture, but you get enough to understand you know his motivation and his behavior. Right in, in the in the movies as a standalone. So I think that's also kind of why they're hitting it as a as a reboot. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, I just think it's marketing BS. They also probably want to separate it from Mad from, Max from Beyond Mel Gibson Thunder. and Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Both of those elements. Um, so just to answer my brother-in-law's question, I would say it is really just a sequel 
but really? it's a marketing thing. I mean, I think the whole calling something a reboot yeah. or a reimagining or whatever is just a marketing way of making it because they don't use the word remake anymore because that became no. got too much negative. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's too much of a negative vibe. Well, and there any there's not they don't re, not really doing straight remakes anymore either. Like if you take like a, if you take a if you if the, the remake is a reboot, there's not a real remake anymore. Like you know, right. the Ghostbusters is a reboot. They're not remaking it with the same story and the same characters and the same situations with maybe a different take on it. Like except because even RoboCop was right. more of a reboot. Sort of reboot, remake, slash... I mean, it was boring anyway, but... Uh, yeah. So, you know, the the straight remake, or it seems to be gone for now. Yeah, they change a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they they absolutely do. Although, we got Poltergeist coming out. Uh, at the time of this recording, it's opening this on this day. Oh. Um, and judging by the trailer, that thing is a remake. Like a Gus Van Sant psycho? Yeah, I mean, it, it, like the trailer is just all the icon. It's like a string of all the iconic moments from the well, first. Well, and maybe that's like that's the new. Maybe that's coming back now. Just the straight like they're like, eh, these reboots we're doing aren't working out. Let's just do the same thing that people remember again. Yeah, which is really terrible for a horror movie because if you know what's coming yeah, in a horror it movie, it's not scary. Yeah. yeah, it's like it'd be like remaking a comedy. Like with Caddyshack all, with all the same, same jokes. jokes. <laughs> it's like, this isn't funny because I already saw this. It's not funny again. Um, so a couple things I wanted to touch on with Mad Max. Uh, first of all, let's talk about George Miller uh, pointedly uh, used practical effects as much as yes. possible. How refreshing was that for you? It was... Like, the, the, like, this is Mad Max. Like, now that I'm, we're starting to talk about it again, now I just want to go see the movie again. <laughs> Quite honestly. Yeah. Um, and I saw it, you know, opening weekend and was pretty much, I was pretty much blown away by the practical nature of, of the movie. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, it's not a perfect movie. It does have, you know, like uh, some, you know, script issues and some some points where it kind of hits its, its, its metaphors and its themes a little too hard, but it only happens once in a while, so it's not that big a deal, I don't think. Right. I don't think it's that. And also, it's a Mad Max movie, so people complaining that it's unsubtle, I don't think, understand what a Mad Max movie is. Well, and what, like, genuinely what a B-movie is. Yeah. This is something actually Yeah, exactly. It's that, also, yeah. Yeah, Steve uh, Falk and I were talking the other day, um, and he said what he really loved about it, it was, it really hung on to, it was unapologetically B. Yeah. Like, it really hung on to the things that make B-movies great. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that, too, is what you're saying is, like, hitting, you know, hitting the the metaphors too hard or yeah. whatever. Um, that's a B-movie thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, wearing your message on your yeah. sleeve because it's a B-movie, yeah. which used to be, you know, for the drive-in theaters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And your audiences are not, not paying. They're making not out paying or attention. Getting popcorn. So you gotta yeah. you gotta yeah. hit them over the head with any message you might want to yeah. get across. Um, and also, just the other thing about it being an unapologetic B movie. I mean, this is like let's break down the story. You know, spoiler alert, everybody. Yeah. Um, and if this spoils the movie for you, you're fucked. Don't go see it. Yeah. But you're, the, yeah, you're <laughs> already you're already hopeless. The basic story is people 
driving as fast as they can, you know, with obstacles, obviously, to make it interesting. But it's basically people driving to a place, realizing it sucks, turning around and driving back to the place that they left in the first place. That already sucked, but turns out to suck less than where they got to. <laughs> right. Which uh, Jason Rohr said he really related to because he lives in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. And that's ex- essentially a day. It basically is the whole movie is um, going on an errand that requires you to use the 405. <laughs> yeah. If you're Los Angeles. Now, yeah. And local. you get yeah. to where you were going and they don't have what you need. Yeah. And you just have and to go you're home. just like, oh, I guess I go home. <laughs> It was a waste of time. Um, so very simple. And that is another B-movie thing, I think. It's like, let's make the simplest story. It's not about, like, yeah. now so many A-list movies. I mean, really, you know, comic book movies and all that stuff. A- the action movies of today are are born out of old B-movies. Yeah. But they get really they caught get up so in their story twists yeah. and their exposition yeah. and explaining why this would be this way and why that yeah. would be that way. It's like every you know horror movie now has to have you know a team of scientists explaining why this happens versus you know B movies of your a horror movie yeah. or an action movie it doesn't have a team of scientists. This well, shit's just well, that, but that's why I thought like you know like uh, uh, Age of Ultron kind of was flat for me was because it jammed in too much junk it had to explain right so rather than just being the avengers fighting ultron or the avengers fighting quicksilver and scarlet witch right it jammed those two things in together that both demanded time to explain right and i thought just became overly complicated right but you know if they had made a superhero movie you know in the 70s it would have just been here's your superhero, yeah, and here's your back. It's like the first Superman, really. Yeah, is Lex Luthor's trying to take over the world. He yeah. wants to knock California off the map, yeah. so he'll own all this beachfront property, and Superman has to stop him. Otisburg. <laughs> it's just a little place, Mister Luthor. <laughs> well done, well done. I enjoyed that, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I loved that about. Mad Max Fury yeah. Road. It's no, the, just the complete simplicity of like just the 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 biggest, most insane car chase ever. Right, and it, there was a functioning, practical guitar, yeah. electric guitar that had a flamethrower, a in real flamethrower. I mean, that's not a CG flamethrower. No, that's a real, real flamethrower and a real functioning guitar. I love that whole concept of let's take like the little drummer boy and turn it into a monster. <laughs> yeah. Who's attached to bungee cords yeah, just on the front around. of a death truck. It was, it, but it's, it's a whole truck made out of like fucking speakers and amplifiers. Yeah. I know it must've been so much fun. The, you know, the production designers, like finding these old vintage cars yeah. and just welding them together and putting tank treads well, on. I, them I, I, I read a, I read a thing. I can't remember the guy, one of the production designers, might have been even the main production designer. I can't remember his name, but he was talking about designing uh, uh, the the you know the guitar truck, mm-hmm. and he said that he like worked with George Miller before and is uh, doing props. And he says, it, you know, I realize you know that Miller's like one of the only directors that expects a prop to actually work, right? Like to be practiced. So I'd be like, hey, here's the prop I made. He would go, oh, it looks great. Now plug it in. 
how does it now? How do we turn it on? Like, oh, you want it to work? Actually, so it's, it's like, the, so that's why it's like we had to build this fucking truck right. and have it work with all the speakers, with a real working guitar, with a real working flamethrower, with you know, like it's just the sheer insanity of doing something like right. that. And the way this movie is shot. Another uh, point that Steve Falk made in our, our discussion, our off mic discussion, was that it, if it had been in the hand, if they had rebooted this with like a, a young, popular, you know, popcorn movie director, yeah. you know, uh, I guess McGee's not that popular anymore, but that's a name that springs to mind yeah. who might direct something like this. Or like, like a young, young guy who did a bunch of slick commercials. Right. And, and he's then, trying uh, to yeah. ape a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. And would then have been the full of CG, right? Then the movie would have been full of CG, and it also would have been unwatchable. Yeah, like it would have been shaky as fuck, frenetically yeah. edited. You'd have no idea who was what and where. And in a movie like this, that's basically that's like critical. unlike yeah. the original trilogy, which all all three of those like people forget all three of those. Um, yeah, and I know nobody likes the third one, but. Have have oh, a contrary. Have I a, love the third one. Have a good. I kind of like it too. They they all have a good hour of not a lot of action. Yeah. Uh, I mean the the first one certainly. Oh yeah. Is mostly just like yeah. a, a like just post apocalyptic cop thriller. Yeah. That ends like everybody remembers the third act revenge part, yeah. but that's only the third act. Yeah. And then Road Warrior has a much larger sort of truck you know, battle yeah. in it than the first one. But there's a long buildup of Mad Max just walking around with his dog and then getting involved with this, you know, weird town. And yeah. then the third one's sort of the same. Although the third one has Thunderdome in the beginning right. where he fights a guy with a right, chainsaw right, right. Yeah. that doesn't get you a problem with Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. It's that... Uh, What's well, uh, like a couple of different movies jammed together? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like and made PG thirteen, right? So. so they set up a chainsaw in the Thunderdome battle, but sequence, no one ever gets but chainsawed. no one ever gets yeah. chainsawed. A problem fixed, by the way, <laughs> yeah. in Mad Max Fury Road, which is excellent. Yes, um, but this one doesn't have that friggin' lead up. It just starts with madness and insanity. Yeah, and it, it's just and and that's why the plot's hysterical because they have this crazy violent drive out to this place that turns out to suck and yeah. then have a crazy violent it's like two uh the it's like the second half of Mad Max 2 the Road Warrior like twice in a row. Yeah. Yeah, so I loved it. Oh yeah, no no. And 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 just the sheer scale of all the practical stuff was is so um, like it's so clear. Like I mean, it's enhanced by CG, but like all the car crashes and spins and tumbles and and stunt people flying for the most part, except you know when it gets like the big like uh, sandstorm stuff, uh, is so practical and horribly dangerous looking that uh, I, I, I it's amazing that somebody wasn't killed. Yes, during the making of this movie. Yes, uh, I agree. And and part of that visceral thrill is you know that that kind of like back of the head feeling is w what makes a movie so damn exciting. Right. In, yeah, in, that's in, true. Again, in a way that the Avengers fighting cartoon robots wasn't. And there are CG moments in this movie, mostly yeah. when the the explosions and crashes get so violent that you obviously can't have people in them. So yeah, yeah. CGI the, yeah, that's, bodies that's enhanced, flying yeah, and stuff like body, that. Yeah, here and but there. it's so minimal that yeah. it's not, you know, distracting. 
Um, and it's, well, it's kinda, and it's blended really well. It looks, yeah, it's re- there's a oh, it's hard to tell uh, when uh, uh, the the CG blends with the with the real, except in the one big that one big set piece, which is clearly CG. Right, right. Well, because it, it has, has to be. be. Yeah, there's no way you yeah, can't. You can't, can't do that. Um, so uh, before we talk about, because you wanted to talk about um, the the two main characters and how they work together, but before we do that, yeah. I just wanted to ask uh, Tom Hardy versus Mel Gibson as Mad Max. You know what? I mean, I I uh uh I think I thought Hardy did a really great job like capturing the like uh, uh, a lot of the essence of Gibson's Mad Max mm-hmm. but still kind of giving it his own personality mm-hmm. so um I you know I, I I can't I mean I still think you know uh you know Road Warrior Mad Max is still the best Mad Max right but I don't know I thought Hardy was really good it's I I, I I thought it was good. Uh, there was one from time to time he would sound too much like Bane, which I found distracting. Yeah, I think that's going to be a problem for Hardy for the rest. Yeah, of his when he's doing. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, the other thing. But is, he also didn't talk much. So, he didn't talk much, you know. and he didn't. I, I, it wasn't, you know, it was a good performance. It just, he did, it wasn't quite as unhinged as Mel Gibson seemed to be in the original trilogy, but also, obviously, we know now that he is was just unhinged. unhinged. Yeah. So, like, his craziness, well, um, I think that was, a de- I think quite... that was a deliberate choice, though, um, to avoid being too much like Mel Gibson's portrayal mm-hmm. and uh you know and you know getting a little bit into you know how the characters uh, you know how, how mad max and furiosa i think work really great as parallels of the same person right uh you know it's i think by the time we get to the fourth this you know fury road he's he's gone so far off the edge mm-hmm. that he's kind of emotionally flatlined right yeah, that makes sense. And so I think that's kind of it seems like the direction that Hardy was going um with with the with the portrayal. That makes sense. Um cuz cuz at the beginning of the movie uh, opens with that short monologue um from Hardy talking about how, you know, you have to shut yourself off or you'll go insane. Right. And, and he what, doesn't what he, know who's what, crazier or yeah, him or yeah. them. And but what he really means is he has gone insane. He's he's lost. That's why he's always alone. Right. He always ends up alone and throughout the the course of the movie it becomes clear in his little like super quick flashbacks that anyone he's ever uh uh tried to help mm-hmm. has gotten killed. Right, and that's driven him insane. And that's why he doesn't want to help in the first place, right? Because he, he knows it's pointless. Right, right, right. And and I thought, and you know, I thought, you know, the the Charlize Theron's character, you know, Furiosa, I, I think is a really interesting parallel because it's clear she's right on that edge. Like she's him. Like if she two fails to save, you know, the right. people she's trying to save, she's going to become. Mad Max, and he recognizes, and and it's, so this whole movie is him struggling with wanting to help, but also knowing they're probably all going to eventually get killed anyway. Right. And but then still, there's still that you know, sliver of humanity left in him. Well, and sort of what he's doing is trying to 
maybe not save the brothel ladies, um, but no, he's trying to save her. Save her. Save yeah. yeah and yeah, and, yeah. and what I thought worked so great as a story, and this is I think what gets all the MRA uh, guys in a tizzy, is there's no romantic element to it. It's he just recognizes himself in Furiosa. Right. And, you know, is is just trying, you know, giving this one last ditch to, you know, keep keep her from becoming him. Right. And that's kind of, and that's our kind of moment at the end of the movie. Because, you know, spoiler alert, everybody, um, you know, when they get back and it seems like, oh, okay, things might be working out okay, he still leaves. Yeah, and just gives her a nod. Yeah, and, and, gives him a yeah, nod, and, and because, because it's like, it's... I he, he his mindset to me at least was like I really hope this works out it probably is not going to and I can't stick around for that shit right right when it all goes super south because I get the impression like George Miller was intending like okay with all those little flashbacks and snippets it's you know he tried to you know he tried to protect his family he couldn't do that um, you know he tried to help uh, the gasoline people and didn't really wasn't super successful doing that. Um, get the impression the intention is yeah all those kids he helped in beyond thunderdome they probably died too yeah you know probably soon after they thought they were safe right you know and and he and he discovered that you know and so that's kind of uh what what i uh thought was uh made those two characters interesting Right. To me, at least in the in the course of the giant chase yes yes so there's the uh issue of feminism Yes. Is this movie feminist? Of course it is. Yes. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed on my uh, Twitter feed yeah. is all the gamer gators uh, talking smack about that concept uh, that this movie is feminist. Right. Because they seems, hate feminism. Yeah. They yeah. hate it. It's the worst thing that ever happened. Oh, it's, yeah, and it's ruined Mad Max. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like how. It's like. <laughs> if, <laughs> Like how joyless is your life that yeah. you can't enjoy Mad Max Fury Road because you're upset that there's a woman character who has her own agency and is just as powerful as Mad Max. Right. How, like how devoid of joy is your life <laughs> that you can't like, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I love in the feed is when they, uh, they re they'll retweet certain women women against feminism, you know. Okay, yeah. and half the time it's like a porn star, right? You know, which I'm all for porn stars, but you know, if you're a woman against feminism, then just you know what, don't vote, because without feminism, yeah, the, it's suffrage well, but was a feminist. Fem- but all feminism feminism is is uh, a stance that you think all people should have equal rights. Right. So if you're against feminism, you're actually against people having equal rights. Right. Which is insane. Yes. It makes no sense. Yes. You're you're openly awful. Uh, the other thing that I just wanted to bring up before we wrap it up is I read uh, this blog entry uh, uh, online from, oh boy. from uh, a woman who uh, only has one arm, and she was talking about... Oh, I read this, too. I think I read the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a really cool, uh, um, you know, think piece, I guess you'd call it. But her point was that, like, in watching this, uh, you know, crazy awesome action movie where, uh, you know, 
one of the two protagonists is a woman mm-hmm. and arguably she's you know the stronger protagonist because Mad Max is sort of just like you said kind of helping her out um, but she's not really dependent on his help at all um, but they don't talk there's no like you said there's no romance they don't talk about her being a woman yeah there's none of that um, and granted the 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 women she's trying to save are you know enslaved or sex slaves basically um, but she and they don't really talk about her history and why she's so motivated to save these people either, which I thought was a good choice because in yeah. her performance, it was really clear. It was coming from a very specific place, whatever yeah. it was, either she hated that. What's the bad guy's name? Oh, the man. Uh, Martin Joe. Yeah. That yeah. guy, she either like wanted to just get yeah. revenge on him or she really just wanted to say whatever it was. Yeah. It was clearly, there was a deep character history that Theron had in, in her head. Yeah emotional life that they didn't yeah, feel the need to make an expository. Yeah, you didn't need an explanation. You just, cause the, the intention was clear in and, there. And there was no real talk about her gender at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then the other thing was, is she only had one arm. Yep. You know, they see, there's some CG in the movie. Yeah. For the, uh, for the robot arm. R- right. They CG'd out her arm and, but there's no talk of that. Yeah. There's no, there was not a single moment of, but what about your one yeah. arm? Um, and this woman who wrote this blog entry was like, this is awesome. This is great. It's not, you know, she gets to be a hero. Not only is she a woman, but she's a one-armed woman. Yeah. And none of that is an issue. Yeah. She's just a hero. Well, and I think that's, yeah, I mean, it's a really, you know, kind of refreshing portrayal uh, because Hollywood loves to uh, uh, linger on supposed disabilities. Right. In in stories and you know it's it's a credit to to Miller's world building because that world this po- this insane post-apocalyptic world with all the given circumstances that he's set up no one would bat an eye at someone who you know was missing a limb because that's probably a fairly common occurrence in the post-apocalypse right right. so it's just a thing that happens and people deal with it and move on and and so it's not something that anyone would linger on right exactly uh i love that about the movie and i love that blog piece so uh that's it that's our theme discussion now it's time for a brand new segment This segment's called, Hey, What's on Netflix? (laughs) Steve Skelton and I are going to look at some uh, recent additions to Netflix streaming. We're going to look at the title. We're going to read the um, synopsis of the film. Um, and then we're going to talk about whether or not we think it's worth watching. Yeah, and this is, uh, for uh, those of you listening, this is for uh, the U.S., uh, Netflix. Yes. US. Unfortunately, we're we're sorry that uh, geo blocking exists because it makes no sense. But uh, so if you're in Canada or overseas, you will probably have a different selection of Netflix. Right. Movies. Right. But maybe some of these will cross maybe over, hopefully I hopefully. imagine so hopefully I, some if we're looking at some of like the low budge stuff. Right. That right. Exactly. So I thought we'd uh, just pick. Uh, we'll do three. Yeah. And uh, I thought we'd do different genres. Of course. So this is uh, one from the recently added United States action and adventure Netflix streaming. There's a movie called Ice Tastrophe. I already love the title. Uh, it's 86 minutes long. I love the running time. It's from 2015. 
Okay. It, it's rated TV 14, so I guess that means it was a made for sci-fi channel movie. Yeah, yeah, it must be. Um, but it has a it has a made for sci-fi channel title. Right, it does. So here's the synopsis: When pieces of a meteorite strike the Earth and cause icy devastation, <laughs> two lovers must recombine the fragments to prevent a global deep freeze. That doesn't make any sense. No, what is what does that even mean? Two lovers must recombine the fragments of the, of of the, the, of the meteorite the, of, of the meteorite or their shattered love. <laughs> Or the ice. Like, <laughs> well, I think the meteorite. I think it means the, the meteorite. meteorite. But, but wh- why reassembling a meteorite would stop an ice catastrophe? I have no <laughs> idea. That doesn't seem scientifically sound. Right. And if, like, so what's going to happen is the meteor hits and, right. like, a segment of the world is covered in ice and it's spreading. And then if you put the meteor back together, it It'll stops. stop the spread of the ice. I don't know. And prevent the global deep freeze. Yeah. Which is which can only be stopped by the power of their warm, warm love. Because <laughs> so, they're lovers. They're lovers. Are they? Or are they a man and woman? Yeah. A man and man? Two women? I don't know. I don't know what they are. They're just two lovers. Yeah. Yeah. Are they two lovers with each other, or two lovers who are just lovers with others? Yeah. Maybe just. Maybe they're know. lovers, not fighters. Yeah. So it's like they have to struggle against their own There's nature. There's so many possibilities to fight the ice catastrophe. <laughs> Are you going to see this film? This, I like, I was on board with the title and the running time, mm-hmm. but then the synopsis gives me a little bit of pause because it doesn't make any sense. No. Like, even for, like, just, like, B-movie style, like, reassembling the meteor or whatever. I, I don't know about that. How many stars does it have on Netflix? Uh, surprisingly, three and what looks like an eighth. Oh, Three right. and an eighth. Well, I might give that a. I might give that a go. It's interesting that it gets that many stars. I, uh, the thing about it's sci- not. It's not a. Uh, I'm not giving a hard pass on this. No, Definitely. I'm not either. I'm. It's certainly something I might look at at midnight when I'm hammered out yeah. of my mind. I mean, certainly sounds better than Monsters Dark Continents. So. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel, their their whole movie situation is very Corman-esque. Yes, in that. They get a title and a poster, yeah, and, and then, then someone and then, has to make a movie. And then someone goes to make the movie about that, yeah. But the problem with them is so often their concepts way overreach anything they can possibly do with computer-generated effects. Yes. Like a meteorite hitting and covering the Earth in ice sounds like it could be a fun Roland Emmerich Tentpole kind of thing. Yeah, yeah but the well, probably not called Ice Tastrophe. I think that wouldn't be a good marquee name. That's a very sci-fi. I'm just channel. saying in the in the sc- scale. No, no, that's what I'm saying. But I'm compi- like if they had that kind of budget, yeah, Ice Tastrophe yeah. could just be dumb fun. But on a sci-fi channel budget, it's probably really fucking. It's boring. gonna be. It's gonna be. It- uh, a lot of it is probably going to be like you know in a in a lab somewhere. Yeah, two said lovers will be in a low rent, yeah. uh, poorly uh, art designed lab, <laughs> uh, shot in somebody's downtown uh, with L.A. loft with apartment. you know with, with a lot of shaky camera. <laughs> yeah, to cover up the fact that yeah. they only have two beakers. Yeah, a lot of shaky camera and like uh, uh, like cold filter uh, right. lighting. Yeah. And they'll be wearing cheap lab coats they got at a Halloween <laughs> costume store. <laughs> we're, Ice-tastrophe. We're science lovers. That's Ice-tastrophe. So I thought uh, next up, we've got comedies. Oh, boy. Here's a comedy called The Mule. 
The from, Mule? From 2014, not rated, 102 minutes, uh, stars Hugo Weaving and what? Angus Sampson. I don't know. Oh, Angus Sampson from... <laughs> uh, the Mule. <laughs> Uh, so here's your here's your uh, synopsis. Recruited to smuggle drugs by swallowing condoms full of heroin. Of course. A man is detained at customs and arrested, hoping his stomach can outlast the police. What do you think? If Hugo Weaving is the one who swallowed the drug condoms, I'm on board. Yeah, it, and it like I'm looking at the poster now, and it, I think it's got that guy from Fringe too. Which one? Which guy from Fringe? Uh, the the crazy guy. Who oh, Walter. The, Walter. Walter, and also the crazy king from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, what's his face? Uh, uh I'm blanking on his on his name. Is it? It's not there. His picture is no. clearly in it. You, you know, I know. Yeah, that we guy. know. Yeah, he's uh he's quite a good actor. I like him. I quite and he's funny. Him. So this looks. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now I'm gonna go with the mule over Ice Tastrophe. I would watch the mule first because yeah. clearly this is one it's of these probably British, not gonna be, but it could be like a yeah, it's a British. It's thing, a British so movie. That it's might be government good, funded. Yeah. That's why Hugo Weaving's in it yeah. and this fringe guy, um, whoever Angus Sampson and he's he's probably some kind of young British. Yeah, he's probably the guy that eats the condoms. Yeah, yeah. He's the star of it. And Hugo and Weaving the, is like the head of security at the airport, and then Fringe Guy is like a like a federal yeah. guy. Something like that'll be something like that. Yeah. It could be Or his dad. It'll be his dad. Yeah, it could be fun. I, I, I'm gonna watch the mule probably. Um and then I thought we'd do uh horror movies. Oh uh, okay. In horror movies, uh there's a film uh called uh, uh Joyride Three Roadkill. <laughs> It's from 2014. It's such a long title. It's rated R. Okay. And it's 95 minutes. Ooh, nice. Uh, it's Netflix rating. I guess I should have said what the... Uh, oh, did we say what the Netflix rating was on the mule? Here, let me I look. Thought, I, th I thought you said it was not rated. No, that that's like it, as opposed to rated R. Um, that one has two and two-thirds stars. The mule. So it's got a lower rating... Yeah. user rating than, uh, than the ice catastrophe. I don't I don't agree with that. Joyride 3 Roadkill has one and a half stars. <laughs> of course it does. Um here we go. Here's the synopsis. Deranged vigilante Rusty Nail returns to bring more terror to the roadways of as he declares not. war on a group of unsuspecting street racers. <laughs> So it sounds like Joyride has mashed itself up with Fast a Fast and the Furious, Furious ripoff. That sounds terrible. Awful. I'm just going to go with the Mule first, uh -huh. then Joyride, three roadkill, then Ice Tastrophe. That's, <laughs> because, my, that's my pecking order. Because Joyride 3 sounds so bad, it might be wonderful. Yeah, yeah and it's also like rated R, so there'll be more gore. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it'll be gory. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And, and there'll be cursing and maybe yeah, some nudity. Yeah. You might get and, some nudity. Yeah, and so a nice catastrophe. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a couple people in a lab. Did you enjoy the original Joyride with uh, Paul Walker and Steve Zahn? Oh, God, I haven't seen that in so long. With Ted Levine as the voice of Rusty Nail. <laughs> I ha I'd have to see that again because I don't really remember it. It's it's just duel. 
Oh, I mean it's dual. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, with, yes. Instead yes. of one guy, yes. they have a bunch of guys, uh, and I think there's two. There's the two guys, and maybe a girl winds up with them at some right. point. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now the memories are are flooding back. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. And Scott Hitcher, sort of. Yeah. yeah. It's Hitcher esque yeah. as well. And Hitcher was really dual esque. Um, but okay. So there you go. Uh, our list is as follows: first, the mule. Then Joyride 3 Roadkill. Then Ice Tastrophe. That has been... <laughs> hey, what's on that's Netflix? Netflix? Oh, that was a fun new segment. I enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it was... Uh, it was we really prepared a lot for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we... Uh, I opened my Netflix did, window. Wait, what, did is you, what is that? Did you hear? I don't... That seems... That's... Uh, okay, oh. I, I heard that. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. That's weird. Okay, that no. We should have known what this was Every time. from the beginning, Every but you know why? Because we're recording this in my house, yeah, and not Steve and it Fox's felt house. And it, it felt, felt different. different. Like yeah, we don't expect no, to hear that at my house. The same. Oh, oh my gosh! So that means it's time for the uh, Nick Cage Memorial <laughs> Bizarre Line Reading, where uh, we uh, clip something from a movie where the line reading from an actor, not necessarily Nick Cage. Yeah. But as bizarre as a Nick Cage line reading from a movie like Vampire's Kiss. Yes. Or um, a couple of very precise moments in uh, his new straight-to-DVD movie, Outcast. <laughs> which is garbage. <laughs> but a couple times a couple times he does do the unhinged Nick Cage. Yeah. And that's when you wake up and go, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And then it and goes then back to... And pass. And then you hang out with Hayden Christensen for too long. It's yeah. the Phantom Menace all over again. <laughs> or not the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. Whatever, Star Wars geeks, leave me alone. <laughs> so what do we got, Steve Skelton? Um, well, uh, since we're talking Mad Max, uh, I, I have a Mad Max clip. It's an obvious clip, mm-hmm. but it's still delightful. I think you'll enjoy it. It's an actor by the name of Edwin Hodgman. And he plays the character of Dr. Dealgood in Beyond Thunderdome. Oh. Listen on. This is the truth of it. Fighting leads to killing. And killing gets to warring. And that was damn near the death of us all. Look at us now. Busted up and everyone talking about hard rain. But we've learned by the dust of them all, Barter Town's learned. Now, when men get to fighting, it happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Here comes the build-up. Right now, I've got two men. Two men with a gut full of fear. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. I almost like I I almost just clipped that one bit, but I think it needed that whole build up. Too. Oh no, that was a nice monologue. <laughs> that was very nice. Uh, thank you very much. That was a wonderful line reading. And uh, now it's time for the next segment. 
called Cold Reading. Oh. Yeah, we're going to do a we cold We haven't done reading. one of these in a while. Yeah, no, it's been a while, but we obviously we can't have game time. Cause yeah, because it'd just be one guy asking another guy questions. And that's not a good game time. <laughs> so we'll do a cold reading. Um, the uh, aforementioned Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, nice. Uh, is where I happen to coincidentally <laughs> pull this cold reading from. Um, now, uh, just for you, Skelton, yeah. uh, you'll be reading the part of Auntie. Oh, fantastic. Uh, played uh, by Tina Turner. Typecasting. Uh, uh, originally. Um, in this uh, called together script that I found online, <laughs> I just I wrote Tina instead of Auntie. Oh, Tina instead of Auntie. So I'll be well, that's pl- going to throw my performance yeah, off. Yeah, sorry about that. So I'll play the henchman. I just called him henchman because I didn't know what the hell his name was because I was looking online and they didn't have any character names. It was just such a <laughs> shitty... Um, but I'll play. The, so this might not even be accurate. No, it's not. It, it may be original script stuff too that changed. Um, but you know we can have fun with it anyway. Um, so I'll play henchman and I'll play Max. Um, I, I guess I'll do the henchman in a. It sounds like a lot of the people, a lot of the henchmen had like, you know, I guess British or Aussie accents. Probably Australian because they they shoot these all in Aus- yeah, Australia. Yeah. This is not. This is an Australian franchise. Well, I'll do Max like in a cool mumbly voice and henchman in a, a shriller, more aggravating voice. Don't don't tell me. Just surprise me with your performance. All right, all right. Here we go. I just I didn't want to throw you off. All right. A warrior, auntie, lost everything, looking for a deal, but he's just a raggedy man. He's quick. Iron Bar, can he do it? Maybe. What did you do before this? I was a cop, a driver. But how the world turns. One day, cock of the walk, next a feather duster. Play something tragic, Tauntaun. Do you know who I was? Nobody. Except on the day after, I was still alive. This nobody had a chance to be somebody. So much for history. Anyway, water... Fruit? Congratulations, you're the first to survive the audition. Drink, it's okay. Come with me. Look around. All this I built. Up to my armpits in blood and shit. Where there was desert, now there's town. Where there was robbery, there's trade. Where there was despair, now there's hope. It's civilization. I'll do anything to protect it. Today it's necessary to kill a man. What do you say? What do you pay? I'll re-equip you. Vehicles, animals, fuel if you want. It's a generous offer. Why me? You've got warriors, weapons. Give the order. We are dealing with subtleties here. This is no enemy. It's almost family. I see. Real civilized. The reasons don't concern you, just the conditions. Deal? First, no one knows you're working for Auntie. You hit him, you go. Second, it's a fair fight. And third, it's to the death. Who's the bunny? It's called Underworld. It's where Bartertown gets its energy. Oil, natural gas? Pigs. Pigs like those? Bullshit. Pig shit. Pig shit. The lights, the motors, the vehicles, all run by a high-powered gas called methane. Methane comes from pig shit. Have a look. Tell me what you see. I see a big guy giving a little guy a piggyback. Master Blaster. They're a unit. 
They even share the same name. The little one is called Master. He's the brains. He runs Underworld. The other one is Blaster. He's the muscle. Together they can be very powerful. They are also arrogant. We want to keep the brain, dump the body. He's big. Is he good? He can beat most men with his breath. I want a closer look at him. How do I get in there? It's a factory. Ask for work. I know nothing about methane. You can shovel shit, can't you? There it is. <laughs> Raggedy Man. Raggedy Man. There it is. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. That's like the only massive scene of exposition. Yeah. Like once you get past yeah. the Thunderdome stuff, there's yeah. very little. It's just the well, guy the in is- the... the helicopter yeah. the plane saying crazy stuff yeah. i mean the thing that i like about thunderdome though is like like the setup is still very much within the world miller created it's just this like family friendly version of it in the movie but can you imagine like beyond like like if it's beyond thunderdome strip away the other b story of the kids yeah and just mad max coming into a like a fury road style thunderdome that's kind of what i hope that his sequel is gonna is gonna be something like oh yeah that makes uh, sense but uh thunderdome thunderdome, I love, I love thunderdome. oh you hear those sad kids, oh, sad kids. you know that means it's time for what? Oh, oh, it, oh. It's time for the bottom five. It sure is. Um, it, this is a little listicle. Oh, boy. That's what the bottom five is. It really it's a li- is. listicle. Yeah. And I thought I'd do a bottom five uh, post-apocalyptic Mad Max ripoff shithouses. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I'm going to start with Exterminators of the Year 3000. <laughs> Wow. The, this is a, a movie uh, from the uh, like late 70s, early 80s, I yeah, guess, yeah. which um, one of those like low rent, um, you know, redistribution houses uh, just put on Blu-ray. So I, of course, got it. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, no, no. I was super excited to see it again. No, I'm positive that all of these shit movies on your list, you also own the Blu-rays of. Uh, if they exist. Uh, yes. <laughs> or a DVD copy in some cases. But Exterminators of the Year 3000. I'm not, I'm not splitting hairs here. It's a terrible movie, but it's one of those movies that's actually kind of fun to watch with a group of people. You get some beers, yeah. you know, and a bong, and you yeah. just you talk through a lot of it. But, you know, it's, it's amusing enough. But, I mean, the acting is <laughs> top-notch. Uh, next up. In the same vein, Battle Truck. Oh, yes. Battle Truck. Which is just a movie about a battle truck. Yeah. And and uh, the truck goes into battles. What was a battle truck in Fury Road? Yeah. Battle Truck is a rated PG film. So yeah. um, it's one that I could watch with my son. And he enjoyed it. <laughs> you know why he enjoyed it? Battle Truck. It has a battle truck. <laughs> But it's garbage. <laughs> Total garbage. Uh, next up, I'm going with Steel Dawn. Oh, the starring, Swayze. Starring Swayze and yeah. Brian James. Yeah. Uh, this movie looks like it was shot like in a small area on like Pismo Beach. <laughs> <laughs> They, the like, post-apocalyptic Pismo Beach. I don't think they had permits to shoot. I think <laughs> they were just, they built this, like it was supposed to be a village, but it's just like one like stretch of fence, like yeah, in the front of the house a, and it's the a, jerk. It's a low fence. <laughs> is like, like it, why is there even a fence there? What's and it, what's it this, keeping out? Yeah, and there's, it's like a fence and inside is like a, a, a shanty <laughs> and a couple of like uh, empty uh, metal barrels. 
and they like call it a village the whole time that for some reason Patrick Swayze has to Mad Max protect you know he's the wanderer and yeah, Brian he, James tries to fight him and then yeah. he respects him and oh you guys it's garbage um, next up I got he's just a drifter who found a bag of mail <laughs> The Postman, starring Kevin Costner, his much-awaited follow-up to The Waterworld. Waterworld. Where he replaced water with mail. I can... Waterworld is one of those movies that, if it's on, I have to watch it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those. The Postman is not one of those. Postman's not so much. Uh, Although, there are some interesting things. Well, the, the the only time The Postman's on TV that you stop and watch is the Tom Petty sequence. Yes, yes. And I also like the really, uh, really saccharine, sweet, slow-mo moment where he's on his horse. Oh, yeah, yeah, And he delivers mail to a child, and he gives the child new hope. Because he's gotten mail. For the hope of more mail to come. (laughs) I don't know what it was. It was probably like an old uh, publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes envelope with Ed McMahon on it or something. And finally, uh, the Vin Diesel vehicle, Babylon oh, AD. AD. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, oh, what a forgot about that. CGI doldrum that yeah. thing is. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. What a terrible, terrible list of movies. That made me feel terrible. I feel icky inside. I think it's time for an elixir. Oh, Something to make to, us yeah. feel a little better. And for me, it's just one simple sentence. George Miller is back yes and how fucking awesome is that (laughs) pretty fucking amazing so that's it that's the film pigs podcast (laughs) all mad max edition (laughs) i hope you enjoyed it uh thanks steve skelton for being here oh thank you uh thanks steve falk for talking to me about mad max so i could talk about you talking about it uh and we miss you and i hope you're the worst it's going great and uh, I've been your host, Todd Anderson. Thanks, as always, to Adam Blau, Adam Blau for the music. And thanks to George Miller for all the inspiration for an entire podcast worth of discussion. Yeah, if you haven't, you've got to go see Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, if anything, this should serve as a, yeah. a commercial for Mad Max Fury yeah. Road. See it. It's awesome. Bye, everybody. Just walk away. Goodbye, raggedy man. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.